Welcome to Beyond the Row, where we discuss the latest in music business news, how-tos, and music reviews from Beyond the Row of Nashville's 16th Avenue. Welcome back to Beyond the Row podcast. I'm your host, Emily Bowie. In this episode, we're going to be talking about some politics and music. That's right, because political season is off with a bang and... One thing that always becomes a hot topic is whether or not artists can refuse the use of their songs at political events. And the answer to that question, broadly, is no. So why does it come up every time we have these campaigns, especially during presidential election years? And we are about to get into that this year. So I'm going to go over all of that right now. So there's two types of musical copyright owners. You've got the songwriter or composer. This is also going to be a publisher, a publishing company. Maybe you're signed with one. And these people are usually represented by a PRO. Now, PRO stands for Performance Rights Organization. Now, sometimes the writer of this song may have an exclusive deal with a publisher who then owns 100% of the musical composition. Usually, and how PROs like ASCAP, BMI, they want you to look at it as a 200% ownership. The songwriter owns 100% and the publisher owns 100%. And that's how they distribute their royalties. Sometimes if you're signed to an exclusive deal to a publisher to write for them, and you write however many songs they say that you have to write in a year, you have a contract for that. And maybe they take 100% of your earnings, but then they upfront you a lot of money. Now, these deals aren't that common, um, but there are a lot out there. You know, you might have a writer who's had a few hit songs and and they sign to a new publishing company or an existing one, and they know that they're going to be writing a ton of hits for people. They can, they can get those songs into the hands of people that are really hot at the time, and they'll offer them exclusive deals. And they'll say, hey, you know what? Here's, I don't know, $500,000. For two years, you just write the songs for us, we own them, or we own them for the next 10 years, and then they can be up for you to purchase back or they're yours. You know, all these things can be customized. What I want you to get out of it is that the songwriter and the publisher are those that have musical copyright. The second copyright holder is the recording artist who is on the recorded work. Now, most of the time, this one is most of the time. This recorded work is 100% owned by a record label. They're the ones that own the master recording. And the reason that they're usually the 100% owner is because they front artist money. And then they want them to recoup that money before they pay them anymore. But usually they just keep stacking on advancements so that they actually never really have to owe the artist anything. Bottom line is two musical copyright owners. The songwriter, publisher, and then the one who owns the recorded work, the master copy. So it's safe to say that most artists don't even own the song that they don't want the politicians to play at a campaign rally. So how can they demand them to stop playing it? Because the publisher is making money off that. The writer's making money off that. It may be the person who's saying, don't don't play my song there. You're making money from it, and the record label's making money from it. So besides the writer, maybe, but the publisher 
and the recording label, they don't usually want to stop an income stream for a song. So how are these artists going on Twitter and saying, so-and-so is playing my music. I didn't, I didn't allow them to do that. Stop playing my songs. Well, let's take a step back and talk about what rights these artists and songwriters do have. If you have your song publicly performed by yourself or anyone else and make royalties from that, you have to register that song with a PRO, performing rights organizations or performance rights organizations. These PROs sell licenses to people and venues so that they can play music legally in a public space. Most of these licenses are built in as what they refer to as blanket license, and that covers an entire catalog of songs that they that those performing rights organizations have. So, you know, if you're heading a campaign and you're having it at a venue and you say, call up ASCAP, BMI, say, we want to play some music at our rally, I need to buy a blanket license, and then they say, all right, perfect. You paid for your license. Here's our entire catalog that you can choose from. You can choose any of these songs to play at your political event. What that's referred to is as political entity licenses. These specialized licenses provide individual political campaigns with the blanket license to use musical works in their catalogs, regardless of the location. So sometimes there might be a venue that pays for a blanket license that lets anybody who's having an event there, um, whether it's a campaign or a convention, then you're usually covered under that. To cover all your basics for your political campaigns, you'll need to go and get the political entity license. Now, although these political entity licenses gives the campaigns express permission to use certain songs without copyright infringement liabilities, the PROs typically provide artists, at least they do nowadays, with an opt-out provision in case they object to a particular campaign's use of their song. So for example, both ASCAP and BMI permit their members to exclude specific songs from political entity licenses with a simple written notice. Now, if you remember, some artists like the Rolling Stones have successfully removed their songs from a list of musical works that PROs permit political campaigns to use, but a few potential obstacles do remain. And really, this is just to keep a solid relationship with the artist they represent. So in my opinion, I believe that this would probably work a lot smoother if artists, bands, whoever previously remove their songs from these political entity licenses instead of waiting till after they hear it or after they see some sort of TikTok video that so-and-so is playing, you know, you can't always get what you want because that already happened, right? Uh, so make sure you do that beforehand because once that's out there and you allow it to be publicly performed, there's not really a whole lot that you can do, at least legally, to have them stop playing that song because that's where it gets tricky. In reality, it's not completely enforceable because PROs like 
BMI and ASCAP have a legal obligation to make their songs available to the public. You know, that's where we get into all this licensing. And that's why there there is this, you know, right to use. And it's one of the reasons that you use PROs. There isn't a separate or side clause that excludes political events. So therefore, politicians might go ahead and continue to play the song at their events because they are legally able to do that given that they have obtained the proper license to do so. And remember, if the artist doesn't own the publishing or the recording, they really don't have any say regardless of them going on, I don't know, Twitter or TikTok and demanding that a certain politician stop playing, quote, their song at a political rally. It's funny, most of the time you will see artists do this against a Republican that's hosting in the event, but that doesn't happen all the time. I do remember one case of an artist demanding the cease of their song being played, and that was Sam Moore when President Obama was using his song, Hold On, I'm Coming. Now, in this case, the song was not used any longer. They removed it from those events. And this is usually how this all plays out. And, you know, the campaign managers or whoever they are that pick these songs, they, you know, respect the artist's wishes of not playing it. But even those, if there is a license for that, for the use of that song, legally, they don't have to stop playing it. But this doesn't happen always. And like I've said, if a license has been paid for, to use a song under the catalog of which the license is over, then that person using the song doesn't have to stop playing it. Even if the artist publicly says that they want them to stop, they they even go as far as to say that they didn't give them permission to use the song. Well, I'm sorry to say, but no one has to go and ask the artist specifically, can I use your song? Doesn't matter. Once a song is registered to be publicly performed, the right is given to public use with a license to use it. Now, I would say a lot of artists may think that they do actually have the ultimate say over who can play their song, but they probably signed that away. <laughs> a lot of actual rights are signed away when a lot of artists first sign. You know, they're excited and and they're not really reading all the little, the little fine details and how much they're actually giving up, how, how much rights of their material and their creations that they're actually giving up due to whether it's a recording or a publishing contract. An artist may own a percentage of their recorded work, but, you know, some artists own all of their publishing and masters, all the recorded work. And one artist that does come to mind is Garth Brooks. He bought back his master's in publishing and started his own label. This is why you don't find a lot of his music on, or not a lot, actually any of his music on streaming platforms except for Amazon because he's signed an exclusive deal with them. It's also why you probably don't hear any of his music at a political event or any event for that matter. So can these artists just not really do anything? Are they just kind of blowing smoke? Well, No, they can do something. Here's what they can do. An artist who wants to take matters further to prevent the use of their music at political rallies or anything of that nature can use the right of publicity. And this is a legal argument that covers how their overall image is portrayed. They can make the case that 
the use of their work infringes on their right to not be associated with a certain person of a political nature or the event or whatever that politician stands for. Other artists have argued false impression of endorsement. And this is something that you will find under the Lanham Act. This is stating the use of their song created a false impression or a connection or approval or sponsorship of that political event. And that's what happens a lot of times. So when you see things go a little bit further and there is legal action that's taken place, it's because of the Right of Publicity Act, which is under an actual act that they can take someone to court over. So if you've got a, a big artist such as the Rolling Stones, right, and, you know, wasn't it Trump that was playing? You can't always get what you want. And so that song is highly associated with the Rolling Stones. And so in that case, you could take that into legal action and you could start suing if they don't stop. And for me, that is something that would fall underneath the right of publicity and inside of the Lanham Act of the false impression of endorsement. I would see that that would be accurate. But it's so funny because you can look all you can look some of these cases up where artists, you know, go on social media and it's a lot easier now to do that. Right. If they see a video and they hear their song being used, then they can, you know, go on social media and say that they, they didn't give them permission. But the, the, the overall giving of permission is actually that's that's just letting their followers and the Internet know that they don't endorse this this band because ultimately if they don't own the song, they don't own the actual recording that's being played, then they really don't have a case in that. Now, if they say that this is, you know, a false impression of endorsement, then absolutely. But as far as not giving them permission, no, they don't have to ask the artist permission to use the song, especially if the song has been added to the do not playlist on the political entity license. Um, so, you know, any artist out there, if there is something that you don't want played, if you know, if you're at that level, just go ahead and say you don't want the song inside of that license. But personally, I don't even know why these politicians even bother with with the music, because, you know, nowadays you're going to know if the song that you're picking is by an artist that doesn't like you or, or that doesn't have the same values as you or beliefs or what you want to control in your politics. That's a whole other topic. But, you know, back, like, just use an Elvis or a Dolly song, right? These artists were and are very open that they are strictly entertainers and, you know, don't want to exclude anyone due to a political side. You know, I'm a huge Elvis fan, so I, you know, he never wanted to get involved in politics, at least at a public level. And a lot of it was due to his manager, you know, the colonel. He was he basically said, why would you exclude half of your audience? And so he didn't. And I feel like Dolly kind of does the same thing. I mean, she's she's in such a big spotlight, especially now that we know that she's not crazy in politics. She doesn't 
lean one way or the other. I mean, maybe she does very privately, but at least the way that she carries herself, her, her character and how she talks about a whole broad spectrum of people, I would not think that she was very one-sided at all. And so she doesn't get involved in politics because she wouldn't want to hurt someone's feelings. You know, whether she believes in something that's strictly to one side or not, she she just wants to entertain as many people as possible. And so I would imagine that that her music would would be okay to, you know, to use, but no one uses it. No one uses the Elvis song. I mean, maybe maybe these record labels have pulled their songs from these political entity licenses, but I doubt it. I mean, because they're strictly owned by like what the, some of the hugest publishing houses there is. And, you know, they're strictly there to make money. They're not there to say, oh, you can't play this, our songs, our catalog at your political event. You know, these, they, they, they have songs that the entire world knows. They don't care. They just want to, they'll take the money. But I do know that a lot of artists today do not feel this way. And they feel that they need to express their political sides and what they think is right and wrong. And that's fine too, right? I mean, that's a First Amendment right. You are more than welcome to express how you feel. I think that it should be up to the individual artists whether they want to let the public know, let their fan base know what they what they feel. Um, but don't ever, don't ever get mad if the outcome is not what you want. I mean, look at what happened to the Dixie Chicks. Although I, what I, what they said, oh my God, like, are we, wow, if that was, if that was what we got so bent out of shape over, man, things have really changed, right? Nobody would have bat an eye now if, if they had said that today, you know, it was more so just a little joke, but you know, those are the consequences and it's sad, but it's, you know, it's up, it's up to the artist in, in that sense on how they want to be, you know, seen and, and what they believe in. So in a way that may kind of help in the long run with the politicians picking songs, because I mean, unless you're just like really like ignorant, if you pick a song, you know, if you pick a Lady Gaga song to play at a Republican convention, I would, I mean, I would probably think like, what are you playing that for? Like, are you just waiting for her to tweet about it and say how she doesn't want you to play it? But I don't know. Anyways, so I just wanted to talk about this a little bit because there's a lot of misinformation out there. And a lot of times people just don't look up the information. They just take it for whatever the artist is saying, you know, when they tweet and they say that they didn't give permission for this to be played. Yeah, it's not. That's probably not like a, a real thing. Nobody would is going to be asking them for permission anyways, because they don't really control the song once it's out there, once they've signed publishing. I mean, hell, you've got you've got big artists now, such as Kenny Chesney, uh, Bruce Springsteen. Like these people are selling their entire catalogs. So I'm assuming when they sell these catalogs that they're selling the master, like the recording. I don't know, though. Would they... Unless they were able to see, that's a whole other topic. We're gonna have to to deep dive on that too, because it's like you read these articles and they say that these huge artists have sold uh, the majority of their catalog, but did they own it or did they just sell their share of it? So now, like, they don't own anything. But bottom line is, 
I'm, I'm assuming for that big of a purchase, for that big of a number, I mean, we're talking like 300, 400 million, right? For that big of a purchase or for that big of a sale, I would assume that they don't own any of it now. And then a lot of them pick the years, right? I mean, even Elvis, he sold all of his rights to all of his music in 1973. So everything that was, you know, prior to 73, he sold all of that, which was bad, a bad advice from the colonel, but who takes 50% of everything, right? So not a bad deal for him because he didn't do jack shit for it. But anyways, um, so the next time that you hear an artist rant on social media telling a politician to stop playing their music because they didn't give him permission to play it, well, they're just letting you know that they don't support the person playing it. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Row. I've been your host, Emily Bowie. I hope you'll join me next time as we dive deeper into all of the avenues that's associated just beyond Music Road.